Listen to ordinary people who lead extraordinary lives. Their leadership styles forever impressed in the hearts and minds of people, be it in their professions, personal life, and or in communities by being an example of greatness. Be inspired by these personal stories and prepare to be both moved and motivated as Maurice Manley II, the serial entrepreneur, interviews present and future icons. Challenge yourself to recognize the leader that lives within so that you may continue to grow and experience amazing things in life. We are all capable of leadership. Take charge and lead up. This is episode number 36. Be your truth and live your purpose. Listen as a good friend of mine, Wayne Bird, explains how he charts his life path despite his religious upbringing. Strategies he uses to conquer current challenges and most importantly, how he dissolves fear. This is definitely one of those episodes you want to pay attention to. I bring to you, without further ado, Wayne Bird. Welcome back to another episode of Lead Up. I'm here with my brother, my man, Wayne Bird. This guy, we, I guess you could say we grew up together, uh, known each other since high school. He was the man in school. He's still the man. (laughs) (laughs) He's done so many great things uh, throughout his life since I've known him, at least. And I'm sure you've done a ton before I, I met you. But What I remember, well, let me just let the audience know, you created a production company when you were like 18, between 18 and 20, called 828 Productions. Lifetime ago. Right. You You had all of your homies, friends, a part of it. And it's now that I think about it or think back on it, it kind of reminds me of Entourage. The show, yeah, and yeah. how you how you put that together, yeah, it does. It is kind of similar. <laughs> it was it was great. It was great. Those were good times. And um, I remember seeing you guys out at parties and events, and you had the 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 uh, placard, <laughs> the thing, <laughs> and you got yeah, the yeah. you guys would just be mobbing around, yeah. you know, not really doing much, but just <laughs> yeah, just but you there, were everywhere, everywhere, yeah. I thought that was so great. That was about 20 years ago, man. It was. Maybe a little longer. Yeah, maybe longer. I think that's a long, long time, time ago. ago. It's funny. That was before social media. Yep. Uh, before that, that, was, you guys were the social media. Right. Yeah. We. I mean, I remember back then we had, at the house, when people would come over, they would see photo albums. Yep. With physical photos in the photo albums. Yes. My brother John was really good at collecting images from everything we did and yeah. have them physically. So there were 10, 15 big giant photo albums that people come over and look through. That was the Facebook before Facebook right. or before MySpace, before Black Planet. This was a All long time ago. It, it was really genius. Um and I wanna I wanna talk about that era or that time period in your life. But I also want to let people know currently so you move from production to um you you project you're a project manager of a natural company uh health company correct yes and 
you know, we talked recently and you told me about the whole agricultural setup. You're looking at land in Hawaii to start farming. Big change. And you're a city guy. Yeah, true. From L.A. Born and raised (laughs) on concrete. Right, right. So moving from. Well, I asked that. Let me let me. I'm getting ahead of myself because my my mind is in so many places now just thinking about the the vastness of your life mm. it's it's a lot yeah and it's great and it's inspirational in all honesty to Thank me you. so what let's go back to the 828 what number 1 i never under, i never knew what 828 was like the actual number yeah what question. it stood for and then what was the inspiration behind it? Okay, that's a good question. So let's talk name first, 828 Entertainment. The the, the actual number is 828. Okay. came from a scripture that uh, was very powerful for me at that time. And this is, again, a lifetime ago. I was, I was, um, I had a different life philosophy back then, which was animated most powerfully by my Christian upbringing. Mm-hmm. And there was one particular scripture, Romans 828, that said, that all things work together for good to them that love the Lord, them that are called according to his purpose. Yeah. That's exactly what it said. And it was, it was the idea of that scripture that really kind of animated my existence. The idea mm. that everything can work for your good for those that are called. Right. It was just, it was, it yeah. was, it was a conceptual thing that, listen, don't get too upset about things that show up that seem to be bad things. And there's a lot of negativity in that world, in the entertainment world. There's a lot of setbacks, <laughs> a lot of disappointments and I wanted to remind myself that at any given moment, no matter what I was experiencing that seemed to be negative, that seemed to be taking us in a direction we didn't want to go, mm-hmm. that somehow that could work out for our good. So that I, I embedded it in the name of the company to remind me at all times to just keep the perspective that no matter what's happening, we're on the way towards what we want. Yes. So that was where the, where the name came from. And I, I highlight that that was, you know, a whole lifetime ago, because that's, I mean, we'll get to this, but my perspective on life has changed my uh, spiritual perspectives. I've since left that particular religious paradigm, Mm -hmm. but that posture remains. Yes. So I found within my Christian paradigm, something that I now see as universal and still hold on to Mm -hmm. the idea that things that seem to be negative in the moment could turn out or will turn out uh, to be working for toward what mm-hmm. it is I envision, what it is I intend to manifest. Wow. I just had to pause on that and, 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 and take it all in. You, would you say that you're, I don't want to place my own, my, my opinion on you, but would you say that you're a creative person? Absolutely. Yes. I, th- I think I, we all are. We don't recognize, <laughs> we all recognize our creativity to, to different extents, but I think for sure I am set up to re- receive capture. I kind of, I see it. I see creativity as catching things. Yes. I see all of us as, as sort of antennas mm-hmm. and there's things floating around the ether and we catch them. And my antenna is set up to catch certain things. I mm-hmm. think I'm, I'm really set up to catch ideas that, uh, when, when activated, when uh, brought to life, have great benefit for people and the planet. That's how okay. I'm set up. So yes, I find myself catching ideas constantly. 
and writing them down. I have my wife kind of laughs at me because she's not built in the same way I'm built. So yeah. I am consistently cataloging ideas that would work well for what we're going to be doing in Hawaii. And over my lifetime, I've always mm. cataloged ideas when I was just into entrepreneurship in general. I would have lists and lists and lists of ideas mm-hmm. that would solve particular problems in my context at the time. So am I creative? I think, yes, my, my antenna is tuned very well to ideas, um, endeavors, artistic endeavors that uh, in some way would be beneficial to people on the planet. I think that's how my creativity is set. Okay. So then that means you would say that that creativity is innate, something you came to this planet with. Absolutely. And do you think or feel that you had to cultivate that or you just, the minute you realize you can create, you just started? I don't know if I have a choice in this. So I'm, as you ask the question, I think about it, I'm not sure whether I have a choice in how I'm set up. No, yeah. not, not the choice in how you set up, but the choice, you have a choice as it relates to cultivating the creativity. Um, some people are extremely creative and they just, they go, it comes to them. And I, I, I'm not a hundred percent sure they ever had to work at it, but then there are other people who actually have to kind of roll their sleeves up and, and really focus and, and hone in and they have to work and develop the creativity that's in them. Um, or maybe they weren't creative in the past, but as they got older or more experienced and they became more creative. I think that a person can work at relaying what is coming in. Mm -hmm. So I have some friends who are world-class musicians and they've been uh, strange in that way, able to hear, feel, see, smell, taste, sound since they were young. Mm. But their transmitting of that to us in the form of a song that works on the radio, that's a different skill set. The, the transferring of what's inside to the outside so that it can be palatable to other people. I think for sure that's something that we can always work on. Okay. We can develop those things, that particular expertise in, in transferring what we've caught. A skill. Yes. We can work and develop a skill. Absolutely. But the creative part is for is ever present. I think that, that what I describe as the catching, yeah. I'm not sure if I could ever turn that off. I'm not sure if I could turn it up, turn it down. I don't know. I'm not, you know, it's, it's something for me to think about. Can I turn it up and be more, catch more and, and language more? I it's, probably It's kind of like, well, you just said a minute ago, your wife is not wired that way. No. So there in lot, like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, so if we're all, I do agree with you. And I believe that we're all catchers and receivers of, um, you know, vibrational frequency, right? Mm-hmm. But many of us are not attuned to those frequencies. Mm. Yeah, okay, I can see that. Right? I can see that. And, I have definitely had times where I needed to get a tune-up. Right. So maybe, and this is a question, so pertaining to the initial question, cultivating that creativity, you think, could possibly be... Um, perceived as that tuning? You know, in my own experience, I've I've come out of, for example, I've come out of uh, a deep psychedelic journey mm. and I could see more clearly, I could hear more clearly, catch more clearly. And I think that energetic 
explosive moment, uh, and I could speak about many of them, they definitely opened me up um, or aligned me mm-hmm. more so so that I could hear more clearly and specifically. So I think that there are things that can adjust our energy and cause us to be more aligned. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my experience, the most powerful of those is um, our psychedelic plants. And I should I should say this as well. So my wife is not set up the way I'm set up to constantly be languaging big ideas that would that would that take a lot of people to pull together. Okay. I think her creativity manifests in different ways. Uh, she's a she's an herbalist and she figures out ways to use plants to help people. So I'll see her concoct something. She doesn't think of it as creativity because she it for her comes so naturally and it looks differently than the creativity mm. that was around her or the creativity that our culture kind of uh, elevates. We think of creativity as these artistic things that are very um uh, display oriented. Yes, yes. When she creates something and gives it to someone to solve something that they're dealing with, there's no, there's no crowd. You know, there's no yeah. big display. There's just a problem that is then alleviated over time. So I think that she's catching and delivering things as well. She's catching, creating, mm-hmm. delivering as well. So I shouldn't say she's not set up as a creative person. She's set up as a creative person. Just her creativity manifests in very different ways. Right. As we all are. Yeah, exactly. So along those lines with creativity, does your life reflect your creativity or vice versa? Mm, That's a good question. Does my life reflect my creativity? Does my creativity reflect my life? I think my life reflects my setup. So my life reflects... my alignment mm. and then the creativity is impacted by that alignment as well. So my creativity, generally speaking right now at this, at this point in my life, the things that I am pulling down and then languaging are ideas uh, that will be part of more or more part of my daily life in the future than they are now. So they're definitely not reflections of my current life. So for okay. example, there are things that we envision doing in Hawaii that don't have anything to do really with my current life yes. here in Los Angeles, but they are, they are big pieces of my life there in, in that rural land-based existence I'm going to have there on the land. They're huge pieces of my life. So I, I would say that they don't actually reflect my current physical existence. My creativity doesn't reflect my current physical existence. It reflects my alignment. What's what is for me next. Oftentimes it, it, it reflects that. It reflects your just existence in general. Yeah. Um, it reflects where my attention is. Okay. So I have given attention and energy, attenergy to. <laughs> to I like that, attenergy. Attenergy. Okay. I think that word is my wife's word. I'm going to give her credit. Attenergy. I think my creativity reflects where my attention has been. What I have given energy to. Yes. That is where. I am collecting, catching ideas that mm. would be of benefit to that thing that I give my energy to. So you mentioned a little while ago, like you're, when you get your inspiration and, and your, your creative thoughts, they're huge and they require a lot of people. How do you get people to buy into your vision? <sighs> this is the billion dollar question. And I don't think I've solved that. I don't think I've cracked that. 
I think most recently I've attempted to language what's inside my head uh, through video using some of those older skills. Um, language. But I don't think I've cracked that nut. I think that for some reason, what I've been catching, I haven't consistently been able to cause other people to catch it as well. So I don't have an answer to that question. Okay. And if I did, I think I'd be moving a little more quickly towards some of the things <laughs> I envision. Yeah. What, and this is, I want to kind of pivot a little uh, because something you shared with me a, a while ago I thought was interesting. So you're on the side practicing or learning butchering. Where did that come from? <laughs> What? Yeah. <laughs> Go from eight to eight to, yeah, I'm going to cut up some animals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think I need to make sense of, of the departure from things that make sense in our environment here to what I'm what I'm intending Please, to yeah, do. Yeah, break it down. Yeah, because butchery is kind of an outgrowth of something else that already happened. Okay. So, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or so, I was teaching film at the university level here at a school in town Mm -hmm. and I was teaching film theory and this is a course that tries to get my students to think critically about the uh, theoretical underpinnings the messaging beneath the message in film we can watch a film Mm -hmm. uh, and not realize that there are there are intentions behind that narrative to get us to think that certain things are normal yes or certain things are wrong I'll give an example say for example it's very common in American films to uh, to say through the narrative that something, for example, like um, patriotism mm-hmm. is inherently positive. And we do that constantly in American film. But in order to get my kids to see it, my students to see it, I would show them, I would have to expose them to the opposite ideology some way so that they're very, very aware of um of this particular subject matter. So I would take okay. a film, take a documentary or something like that, that, that would, that would make the opposite statement. Mm. Um, that having that posture of blind patriotism is wrong. For example, some documentary that says, okay, here's what your government's doing. This is the crazy things they're doing. You should be critical as opposed to completely supportive of your nation. Okay. And immediately after, after doing that, then put on a, a normal narrative that yeah. they would have watched without questioning any of those intentions, right, with the film. So they see the narrative and say, whoa, 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 yeah, they're saying constantly we should just always believe in what the government is doing. And they would be able to see it now. So when I was doing that, I was exposing myself to tons of documentaries about different things. And I think that experience of constantly looking for documentaries that were outside of the cultural framework, the normal zeitgeist, Mm -hmm. exposed me to some things I just never thought about. So I started watching... Uh, films, documentaries about food or our, our particular food system in America. Yeah. Industrialized food. And that really shook me up. Or I would watch films about peak oil, our particular energy situation here mm. um, at this time on the planet, our dependence upon oil, the fact that it's running out. I would look at films about our economic situation, fiat currencies and our banking system. Mm-hmm. And all these things started showing, like, I mean, it would, it would kind of give me a moment to look at what we're doing as a as a culture with our food, our money, our environmental situation. And I saw them from different angles. And in doing so, I became less than excited about the way I was living here. Mm. And I wanted to see something different. 
So specifically with food, I thought it was interesting that we had created a food system that created all these crazy health outcomes um, when there were other ways to approach it. And through a long study, basically, I found myself wanting to live a land-based existence. Okay. Now, for the people that don't know, what what is that land-based existence? Okay. Here in Los Angeles, where I grew up, born and raised on concrete, food comes from the grocery store Mm -hmm. or the liquor store. You know, food comes out of these stores wrapped in plastic, and that's it. You don't know where it comes from. Right. Some, you know, buy buy a, a bunch of grapes. It could come from you know thousands of miles away in Chile somewhere. Yeah, that's how food gets to us in these environments. Okay. So, you know, I looked at that and thought, okay, why 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 is organic food expensive? Like, what is this? What's going on? Why did why in the city are we so inundated with stuff that's not good for us? Where does it come from? And I thought about it, and you know, we live on this big giant concrete pallet. Mm-hmm. And because we live on this pallet, we have to then go and serve some sort of corporate function Mm -hmm. to get this sheet of paper back, which we take to this store and they give us the things that used to come for free out of the ground. Mm. And I thought, okay, that's an interesting situation. How did we get here? So I just rewound back to when people grew their own food. And I liked the way that kind of life engaged the planet, the thing that we are all actually dependent upon. Right. It cut out all those middlemen, all of that industrialized, uh, nonsense um which i began to see as problematic Mm. uh and it got me back in touch with the planet that actually does take care of me okay so i wanted to live in existence where i'm more in touch with the planet itself the thing that sustains me i wanted to have my hands on my living we use that language what do you do for a living what we're saying is what function do you play that has nothing to do with keeping you alive where you get some sort of piece of paper that then you can turn into Something that takes, you know, you can go to the store and get something right. that actually sustains your existence. You know, where does your water come from in Los Angeles? No water in Los Angeles. Where does it come from? Right, right. You know, our electricity, where is it coming from? Yeah. Food, where is it coming from? So I wanted to get back to being engaged with the planet such that some of those things were, I, there was a direct relationship with my living, mm-hmm. my being alive. I want to sustain myself from having a right relationship with this planet. So that's what I... That that's where I went from being a traditional consumeristic LA native. Right. I went to, oh, okay, I'm gonna throw away, I'm gonna cast off this consumeristic ideology. I'm gonna look and see what is my relationship like with the planet that is sustaining me? Mm-hmm. Am I honoring it in any way? Am I giving back mm-hmm. to it in any way mm. at all? In any way ever? Mm. You know, am I just consuming that's a, that's a great question I think for everyone to ask is what kind of value are we adding or giving back? We're constantly in take mode. We're Mm. taking from people. We're taking from things. We're taking from ourselves and we're definitely taking from the planet in a multitude of ways. So how do we give back? And I want you to answer that, but I also want you to say, okay, or not say, but answer Bring us to butcher. To but- yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get you saying. So, so basically, I started traveling the world looking for a place to relocate, and we looked everywhere: Central America, South America, uh, Northern California, Pacific Northwest, Asia. We went all over. Okay, looking for someone to relocate so we can build this existence that's really high touch with the planet. Mm. And uh, eventually, we found a place. We fell in love with. Uh, some of the skills required to have that relationship farming. I told you my wife's an herbalist. We, we kind of fell into these roles and studying these roles that a person would need to 
have a positive relationship with the planet and then have a reciprocal relationship where it supported us. We supported it. So eventually we decided we're going to move to Hawaii after a long, long, long um, uh, search. And part of what that part of landing on Hawaii is that we plan to develop a big farm, a big diversified operation mm-hmm. and animals are going to be a part of it. So I wanted to start getting my hands into that relationship with cutting up whole animals. Even now, before I go, okay. I want to have some of that down. Cause some of my intention is to create some value added products uh, out of responsibly raised animals. Okay. So I looked around town to find a butcher that was doing things in a way that I thought uh, matched my own principles. And I found one here in Los Angeles. So I started working there to learn butchery. Mm. Okay. I got lucky and walked into the shop. Uh, the shop is called Standings Butchery on Melrose and La Brea. I walked in um, one day just saying, look, I'm going to go see. I'm going to go see what's going on in here. Yeah. This is the kind of thing I want to learn. Let me just walk in here. I walked in one day when the owner happened to be working there by himself. No one was there. No customers were there. It was just him in the shop. Wow. And uh, Jared and I struck up a conversation, and he was was feeling me out. I was feeling him out and what he was doing. And, you know, by, by the end of that conversation, we realized, yeah, we would, this would be something that worked for both of us. So uh, maybe a week thereafter, I was, I was working at the shop. It's so amazing how life is. Uh, you just never know from moment to moment where, where you're going to go or where, where thoughts or ideas are going to take you because, and that was a great story, by the way. Teaching and documentaries is what got you to. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I had no idea that was going to happen. Right. That's yeah. What, yeah. Cause you didn't plan it. You didn't think about it prior. No, it was just, it, it grew to that. One thing led to another. Yeah. I followed my curiosity. Yeah. And one thing led to another, to another, to another. And I'm in love with you know, agroforestry. Like, what? Right. <laughs> it's not something I'd ever seen here. I didn't, I didn't grow anything growing up. But what's interesting was was even more interesting about that is the I'll say innate ability to follow and trust yourself, your heart, your mind in the moment, which is huge because many of us we will get those those urges or those uh, impulses, curiosity, and want to, you know, investigate. And we'll investigate a little. And we might even still feel the pull. Yeah. But we won't take the deep dive and go down that rabbit hole. True. And we'll ignore it. Yeah. And then the trajectory of our life continues down the path or it oh. doesn't change or it goes. You, you know oh, what I mean? Oh, I know exactly what you mean. So that is, um, I was just really thinking about it as you were like uh, chronologically telling the story and thinking to myself, wow, I, I too have experienced, you know, similar things where I just, one thought or one impulse just takes me. And next thing I know, I'm like, oh, wow, how did I get here? Yeah. But I love being here. Yeah. <laughs> and if it wasn't for that, that unction of, following 
and just allowing myself that that art of allowing yes is so critical i i couldn't agree more man what you talk i i've been trying to cultivate hearing my internal guidance system more clearly and more loudly mm-hmm. you know we all have that thing. we talk about a gut feeling you know we know deep down what we're what we should do what we should do next we know but there's so many pieces of information coming all the time that we get confused yeah. and it's it's the noise is cloudy you never can understand what to do next you're always asking somebody you know that could i want to cultivate my internal guidance system so when i feel something i know that's the thing to do right and that i yeah along this road i guess it was clear to me to continue to follow my curiosity yeah. which did leave and it, it led in some really strange directions right but there was no doubt at, at least to me it sounds like you did not doubt yourself that's true at no point in time. I mean, you can doubt information. You can doubt um, what someone says to you. But a lot of us suffer from self-doubt. Mm. You did not doubt or question your thought, your impulses, your moves, mm. your your position in the moment. Mm-hmm. You just allowed, like, huh, I want to do <laughs> fun. I, yeah. Just do this and see. Yeah, I don't know yeah. anything about it, but hey, I'm going. I'm going. Yeah. And you just moved in that direction, even though it's unknown. It's totally opposite from how you were raised, how you were socialized and conditioned. And I'm sure at some point you said, I'm walking away from this teaching thing. Yeah. 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 I think you brought up something good. It was a lot of these, a lot of the, the directions I went were contrary to my socialization. Yeah. Um, I walked away from my my religious community. That was contrary to my religious mm-hmm. upbringing and my family's desires. You know, I, um, in a lot of ways, I had to fight against the current of our cultural river. Yeah. And now, as you say it, I started to think about it. Yeah, there was many moments where I had to say, you know, I know everyone else wants me to do this, wants me to think this, wants me to value this, and I went the opposite direction. That's true. I want to unpack that because I I really believe that it's extremely critical for people to understand and get how important that is. Is that something? How did you establish that? Yeah, yeah. I think this is, again, uh, part nature part nurture so Mm -hmm. there's something there must be something about me that has a high tolerance for seeming different um as a kid my my family's posture about things made us seem different from our friends so for example we came up in a religious context where uh my parents didn't celebrate christmas i mean it's a just real easy example right so there was no gifts in my house okay coming back from uh christmas break I didn't have anything new. Mm. You know, that was everyone, everyone around me had new stuff and we had to kind of deal. Why don't you have anything? You got no new shoes. You got a new, you don't have a Walkman. You don't have it. I didn't have anything. I had nothing. I had the same stuff I had before we <laughs> left. Uh, and we had, I, there was a, there was a difference in how my family raised us than how the people around me were raised. For example, okay. in my house, in my neighborhood, you know, um, my parents wouldn't let us out the house. It was a dangerous, we grew up in a dangerous yeah. place. They wouldn't let us out the house. You know, we had a we had the regular wooden door and then we had a steel door. I don't know if y'all, <laughs> everybody watching, grew up in an environment where you had to have a steel door on your house and bars. 
Um, but the rule when I was a kid was you can't touch the steel door. Like huh. I think as a child, you can't go outside. Right. It was just not allowed. So it was all we were always living with a certain level of difference. Mm. Um, I didn't like it. I wanted to be like everybody else, but I guess maybe that was my preparation early on. Um, my my the parenting mm-hmm. caused us to constantly be in, in the experience of being different, and then at some point I began to identify with it with with being not necessarily the same as everybody else. You embraced it. Yeah, I embraced it. At some point, I embraced it. Um, and I remember, like my we were like serious religious zealots now that i think back about it uh no i mean like for real i could, in high school no really i mean it was now that i look at it it seems extreme it didn't feel extreme to me but right it was just life yeah it was just life so for example growing up i was really i really believed everything that we were taught in the bible i was really kind of i took ownership of it like yo this is super important mm-hmm. i'm gonna be the best christian i could be you know right, so right. coming up i was like you know what sex is for marriage i'm not doing that inside yeah but externally i couldn't really say that to my boys in junior high school right of course not because they would have clowned me all day all night so <laughs> i was fronting like i was i was into everything they were into yeah you know? and yeah my friends started early i said that junior high my friends were wild they were exploring stuff early early and um i remember i was just lying about sex as mm. a young person until i saw i wasn't doing it so there was that kind of thing i wanted yeah. to seem the same but i wasn't acting the same i was i was living both there lives. was this duality yeah yeah and i remember one day i was watching uh, uh a different world uh-huh and jada was dating some dude bumper whatever his name i forget what his name was. she was dating this cat and at some point he just wasn't he wasn't having sex with him she was like what's going on blah, blah, blah. and she's going off on him and there was a scene where he stopped her and said look this is who i am this is how i'm trying to live if you can't get with it then you're not the right one for me and just walked off and I, you know, they had the they yeah. had the, they had the live I crowds. Think I remember back that. Then. They had the live crowds back then, and the crowd was like, "Ooh!" And I had never seen a person stand up for a principle of their own that was not popular. Mm. And I thought, I couldn't believe the crowd was like, "Whoa, ooh!" She, he told her, you know, and Jada sat there and had to sit there and just think about it, like, "Man, what? Are, what am I? Maybe I'm tripping." Right. And the the character ended ended up um, respecting him for having stood his ground on for his own principles. Mm. And I thought, whoa, I've never seen it. And that from that day forward, I said, I'm never lying about this again. Went back to school and I didn't lie no more. I was like, oh, here's what it is. That's what I'm doing. Hey, whatever, you know, call it what right. you want, laugh, we'll do whatever you want. This is where I am. And it was something about that moment that just, it just something, something blew up in my mind. I can be proud of my preferences, my, my principles, and speak them proudly no matter what is going on around me, mm-hmm. no matter what everyone else's perspective is. And I think that seeing that allowed me to do what I was doing, you know, underneath, I allowed me to do it on the surface. So, right. yeah, I think I think I had to practice it. I had to I had to uh, be honest and be willing to be criticized, ridiculed, you know, all that. So I just I had practiced being different than the crowd and owning it, owning my own principles, yeah. no matter what the principles were around me. Oof. Daring greatly. Yeah, very greatly. Yeah. And then that ended up, you know, that that's something that was rewarded internally from a religious perspective. You know, for example, my father was like, yeah, I love that. You stand up for what you believe. Uh. But when when my beliefs turned 
and became contrary to his, yeah, then I still stood up and said, <laughs> I don't believe it. And that was too far. Right. You know, we, he, he didn't, he didn't say that that was honorable. Mm. So our relationship dissolved thereafter. So, um, it's been something that in, in moments is rewarded, okay, but in moments is not. And I have to be, uh, I've, I've learned to be aware of that, to not get my energy from anyone else's being, you know, satisfied with my perspective. I have to just hold true to what I, yeah. to what I see as right or wrong for me. So the key to all of this is we must all learn how to honor our truth. That's right. Well said. Regardless of what that truth is, honor it. We don't have to justify it. We don't have to prove it. We don't have to talk about it. As long as we honor it and honoring, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, is just being and living in that truth. I agree. Yeah, I agree completely. I think that we're all uniquely crafted yes. so that we can express that uniqueness. Mm-hmm. And any dulling or, or, or taking off the edges of our uniqueness is stealing that experience from yes. the whole yes. buffet yes. of experience yes. that is life. Yes. Yes. I mean, can you imagine if LeBron had decided to, you know, become an, an, an accountant because his <laughs> uncle thought that was the thing to do? Right. He'd be robbing us of seeing that magic that he is physically. You yeah. see what I'm saying? Right. I think there's just, it's, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a stealing of what we are all here to do. We're all here to fully experience and fully express. Right. And to the extent that I steal, I take back my full expression because someone else might be hurt by it, offended by it, uh, made uncomfortable by it. Mm-hmm. I think I'm missing the point. The whole point is to be wholly who I am. There's a reason why there's two of us, why there's a Maurice and a Wayne. Right. So that we can fully express the Maurice-ness, I can fully express the Wayne-ness, and then that can create, uh, that can repel or attract whatever it does. But that creates the full experience right. in this existence. So I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to huh. fully be exactly who I am as I change because we're dynamic. Correct. Right? So at one point, it was my full absolute truth to be 100% into the religious framework I was in. And at another point, it was the exact opposite to be 100% not into it. <laughs> right. And I need to honor both of those. Right. And I need to give everybody all of that. Yeah. Because they both, going back to 828, work together for the good. There you go. Yeah, there's something about contrast that and bliss mm-hmm. that that works together to create the experience that this is. This is an amazing experience, but it's born of it's born of experience, fully experiencing all of it. The 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 ebbs and flows. This um, it's it's contraction and expansion, mm. like like the ocean, mm. right? And this is how we get waves. Mm. And then the moon is you know, it is in sync with the water yeah, and in yeah. the rotation of the earth. So yeah. again, all things working together for the good. That's right. So we typically as human beings look at contraction as bad. Yeah. Because contraction pain is associated. Yeah. I think in, in our minds with that. And an yeah. expansiveness or expansion is like, oh no, no pain, it's yeah, growth, it's great, yeah. it's happy. Right. But the contraction really to me, and it sounds like you you would attest to this, contraction is really where the growth is. It's the setup. It's the setup, just like in a film. It's the setup, man. That drama is the setup for what's next, for the next act. For the expansion. Yeah. 
Exactly. It gives us a clue into what kind of expansion we want. Right. When I experience something that I really don't like, that's really telling me the opposite of the thing that I really do want. It feels bad because it's so far away from what it is I actually envision for myself. So I, I find contrast, or as you say, contraction, to be a signal. It's 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 informational. Mm-hmm. When I feel it, it's real bad. What am I feeling right now? I'm feeling uh, a lack of significance. I'm feeling, oh, what I really want is significance. And mm-hmm. I start to think about that and how that feels. Ooh. Esther, Abraham, Hicks, those are yeah. that's Come on. That's my Come on. guiding we, philosophy. We could be here all day. <laughs> hey, on all day. Abraham, appreciate you. But Shout you out know, to Abraham Hicks. Shout out to <laughs> Esther. You know what? Shout out to <laughs> Esther for think about this for a minute. I mean, can you imagine the very beginning of her of her giving herself over, um, giving using her physicality yeah. to bring forth that source information? Can you imagine what people around her might have been saying to her? Called her crazy. And, and she had and to fight all that. Right. She had to say, you know what? This is going to sound weird to everybody, to my family, to my friends. People are going to think this of me. Th- right. she had to, it was a lot of negativity that, that was probably coming her way. Mm-hmm. And she chose to hold true to what she was experiencing, to her own principles. And now we have the blessing of hearing all this great information because she donated herself, her physicality, to right. passing on this information. And I think what another great example. So true. Fight the, you know, the the naysayers. And forget that. Don't even don't even think of it that way. I don't want to think about fighting the naysayers. Instead, I want to say it that way. Hold true to what your internal guidance system is saying. Right. And I thank Esther for that. Always. Yes. Esther, if you're listening, I want you to be my auntie. <laughs> and I mean Esther, not Abraham. Right, right, right. Esther. Esther. Yeah. The human being that right. decided the to woman. dedicate herself <laughs> to what she's dedicated herself to. I love that lady. Yeah. I, I want her to be my auntie. Yeah, she, she's great. Yeah. I, I'm seeing a common thing with you uh, with various transitions. Different world being TV, the underlying thing sparked the motivation to begin to honor your truth. Mm. Just like the documentaries oh. spark. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever given this thought. I never have. I've never thought about that. How this particular medium sparks me into action in different ways. But that you were really, teaching this medium. Right. You were teaching just about that thing yeah. to other kids. Right. Like, here are the undertones mm. that are in film. But those undertones where you're guiding or or are a part of your guidance system. Yeah. I think which is why you were able to speak to it. Yeah, they were about ba- I, I think they were bouncing off of my guidance system. Mm. Yeah, I'm watching things and I'm I guess I guess we're all that way. If you're trying to figure something out, like what should I do? And you may ask people, what do you think about this? And you listen to what they say, and as they say it, you hear it and you let it bounce off of you and you think, Oh, that's not it. Something someone says, Oh, that's not it. And then someone says something and bing it you feel it. Right. So that the their thought resonated with the truth that was already in you, and you're like, "That's it," and you know it's true. I'm gonna tell you, it's happening right now with this discussion. I had pre-planned questions that I was gonna ask. I'm honestly looking at. I'm not getting to them, (laughs) but I don't care because I think the discussion that we're having now is so poignant. It's so needed. And this is the discussion that we were supposed to have. Yeah, yeah, I like that. You know, and like you, I'm honoring my truth with this platform 
regarding leadership and, and actually helping people to cultivate that leader that's within them yeah. so that they can honor their truth. There you go. Because so many people, so many of us are scared to even step out and we're looking for the savior. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Fighting that fear to step out. I, so many times in my life I had to fight it and I, I'm, I'm thinking of one right now. Listen, uh, 10 years ago, mm-hmm. I um, developed a friendship with someone. My, my, She was just a friend at the time. And we were in a situation like this. We were recording podcasts, mm-hmm. and we were on a show together getting to know you. As you know, if you sit with someone in this environment and have to talk consistently about yeah. real things and go deep, you become transparent, and you get to know each other much more quickly than you would in Correct. a normal uh, superficial conversation. So ha- I was having these conversations with her over and over and over. We start to we started to get to know each other, and I realized, wait a minute, I I really like this girl deeply from a deep place, mm. and my community will vilify me if I express that. Now she was white, uh, blonde hair, blue eyes, mm-hmm. and I knew what was coming were I to express my appreciation for this person in. Uh, by by building a relationship, a personal relationship with, yeah. and I did it anyway, and I caught hell because of it. I ended up marrying the girl, and now I'm in a relationship where my own culture, my own community, would call they would call it by a whole lot of names. And as you know, um, we grew up in an environment where when when black men decide for a variety of reasons to have relationships with women who are not black, there's a lot of cultural pain that goes along with yeah. along with that. And I want to honor the cultural pain. That's right. that's one thing. You know, we have we in this environment were brought here, and we were given um, we were given information. We were inundated with information mm-hmm. about ourselves that made us feel bad, low, dangerous, worthless, all that. That was part of the acculturation in this environment. And black women had to deal with a whole lot of mess behind that feeling. Um, blackness has been associated with. Um, uh, just badness, ugliness, yeah, not enough of this, that, and the other bad, all these things. I get all these associations. So I understand when we have a cultural practice of saying, oh, this brother is buying into those me- that messaging as he's choosing his partner. Mm-hmm. That wasn't my situation at all, but I got I caught the hell from that, right. uh, that reality. I caught it anyway. Uh, my brother caught more of it because some people respected me enough not to say it to me. Oh, but and they would go to him and tell him. They would go to John and say, oh, man, Wayne went and got a Ph.D. in a white girl. You know, that was kind of a <laughs> a recurring <laughs> a recurring thing. But this is another example of in the moment I felt this human being, yes. I felt who she was, and I knew that who she was was powerfully right for me. Mm. We were powerfully right for each other. Right. Um, and Which all, is so bigger, so much bigger than... Sorry to cut you off, but it's, it's it's bigger than anything else. Yeah, and it's kind of like the the earlier question I asked about your creative, uh, reflective, right? And and you were saying, well, the future, it when that relationship was established through through you guys having these discussions, that impulse, that feeling, you saw the bigger arc. Instead of seeing the, just the moment. That's right. And you trusted that. That's it. That art. Even though it hadn't happened yet. Yeah. I could just feel, again, internal guidance mm. system. 
something's different, special, important has to happen about this interaction. Mm. Beyond the amount of melanin in our skin, there's something else much more uh, uh, deeply connected at the root, at the core of it all. And I had to fight whatever fear came up around the hell I was going to catch for making this choice. And I, I chose to go that way anyway. It was too right for me to disacknowledge it. And in, 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 in view of what I was going to lose, in view of what I was going to uh, hear, in view of the associations that were going to be made between me and a person who has just absorbed this idea that whiteness is right, white is right and everything else is wrong, which is not me at all. I knew I was going to be associated with that. I knew there would be all kinds of assumptions made about her, about me. Mm-hmm. I knew all of that was coming and I could see it in the eye and I could hear it. My own friends were coming up to me saying stuff. Mostly women were coming up to me saying all kinds. I mean, I had, I had friends of mine who were of mixed race. Wow. Saying the craziest things to me, which I thought was really it. I'm like, your mom. When they too came from that. Their mothers were white women, you know? So I saw it was, it was an interesting experience. And I think it was, it was very useful. I'm glad I experienced it. Yeah. Obviously. Cause it led to where I am now. Um, but there was contrast there. Yeah. It was a lot of it. And I had to face it, go through it, accept it, lose whoever was going to be lost and move forward. And it turned out to have been an amazing thing to do. An amazing experience. I think she and I are are building a life here that's incredible, man. And I've never even been in a relationship as powerful as this one. This wow. is by far the most powerful, the most long-lasting. Uh, I see the most upside. Yeah. I have the biggest plans with this one. Uh, this is it. This, is, this has been incredible. And I had to fight all of that contrast in order to get to the reward that I have right now, I have an amazing interaction with an amazing person, an amazing life we're building, an amazing shared vision, uh, an amazing intention, shared intention to be of service to the world, yeah. to the planet, to people, to every everything we share this planet with, an amazing intention to partner with the planet to help people. Mm-hmm. I love this girl, and I think that her energy has in some ways one of my professors a long time ago, Vance Caesar, said, if you're going to choose a partner, choose someone who creates capacity for you. Mm. What he meant by that was choose someone that who's someone whose presence causes you to be more or allows you to be more of who you really need to be, who you really should be, who you really are. Okay. And she absolutely has done that. Being with Sarah has caused me, has opened me up, has created space for me to open up and be more of who I really am. Wow. And that is, is that's not something that happens at the level of melanin in no. the skin. No. It's not that. That's spiritual. There you go. So I followed my internal guidance system to this blonde-haired, blue-eyed woman, and it was the right thing to do. And it let on, it helped expose that this thing, this skin, these associations we were given upon mm-hmm. coming here, that we are our skin. That is just something we were given. Right. Race as a concept is something that the same people we we uh, should give all of our uh, well, actually, we shouldn't even we shouldn't give them any energy. But the people that those genocidal, crazy maniacs that brought us here, they also were the ones that gave us the concept of race. Correct. All. Correct. That helped, that told us that we are our skin. Yeah, that's and it's 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 nonsense. Obviously, we know it to be nonsense. We don't think of Labradors looking at each other like, oh no, that's a 
that's a brown lab. I, I, that's what yeah, that's, right, right, right. It's it's obviously nonsense, but we have owned it because this environment owns it, and then we we bang on it like yeah, yeah. That's who I am. My skin first. Right. We used to say stuff when we were younger like oh, I ain't got to do nothing but stay black and die. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? what? <laughs> that's all you got to do. <laughs> Stay black and die. You know, he said all kind of stuff coming up. Good luck I mean, with that. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. That's all? That's it. Ain't nothing yeah. else you got to do. No responsibility. Oh, man. But, anyway, I, you know, I get it, though. In this environment, skin color is a real determinant of your experience. Right. Because that's how this place is built. Yeah. But I'm not living my life based on these crazy genocidal racist ideologies. I'm not going to live uh, in the way that this culture asked me to around those associations, nor am I going to build my life in direct contradiction of them. Cause then I'm still on their wavelength. Right. So I'm right. neither one of those. I'm neither agreeing with you that blackness is wrong and bad, blah, 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 all this stuff, nor am I owning blackness itself as my organizing philosophy. Mm. That's still something you gave me. Mm. Either way, either way I'm operating on your level yeah. Well, Einstein said that you can't solve a problem uh, from the same mindset that the where like the, the problem, problem was created or can't. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to say, okay, okay, I get y'all create the craziness that created this scenario where we are distinctly different things with different associations, white, black. I get. Okay, I see how y'all created that craziness. It was wrong when y'all created it. It was wrong when you gave it to me. It's wrong now. I acknowledge all that. Yeah. The outcomes we have as people with this amount of melanation is horrible to think about the ways that other human beings can treat people. It is horrible. I'm not disacknowledging any of it. Right. I've had to deal with it my whole life. I'm not saying it is not real. Right. I have injuries to, to at this very moment, pain today. I had to take painkillers and muscle relaxers last night because of the way the police, the LAPD uh, treated me. 20 years ago, mm. I still have the injuries and the scars. So I'm not disacknowledging it. I'm saying that um, their organizing philosophy, their perspective, their categorization cannot mm-hmm. be the way that I now view the world. It's not going to be my lens. Yeah. Y'all crazy people are not giving me my lens. Oof. So I, I know when I, when Oof. I, when I had the view, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not, I'm not working from your framework. Right. I will acknowledge what is happening in this environment and I'll do what I can to be the opposite of that. Be something else. I want to create a, I want to create an environment, be a person that doesn't do those crazy things that y'all are doing, yeah. are doing. It is real. Race is real in this environment, mm-hmm. but it's not actually real. Correct. It's, it's fraudulent. An, it's an idea. Yeah. It's a concept. It's a concept. Biologically, it's not really that real. You know, so, right. I, so I'm trying, I, I have to live this life now of acknowledging what is, but creating what I want, what I see. Mm-hmm. Which is I, also what is. Yeah, yeah. It's what is. And I, I and the people that created our racist ideology that this country is, is built upon, that was an idea. And they held it. They held that idea and all their actions, you know, mm-hmm. created that outcome. I want to hold a different one. I don't want to just hold I don't want to just hold them in my mind and say, I'm gonna fight you for it. No, no, no. I'm gonna hold a different idea as strongly as they did. Right. Or stronger. It, strong and then try to create that, bring that reality into existence as opposed to focusing on what they did and are doing and therefore maintaining that by focusing on it, even in opposition. I want to focus on something else create something else, build something else. And that's what I intend to do in Hawaii. 
So a few more questions. As I'm listening to you, in my spirit, I feel that you have a very interesting perspective on fear. What is it? We've never talked about this, but in this moment, I know (laughs) that you have just a different take on it. Yeah. Elaborate. I think fear is constructive. Fear is, is, um, you know, it's like a metal detector. You know, you're kind of sweeping across the landscape. Whatever is really scary. I think it's because it has to do with something you're really supposed to be doing. So, um, I think, and I, again, I don't, I don't want to, I don't come across as though I've, I've mastered fear or I have this relationship with fear that is completely intentional. When I feel that I do this, it's not that way. But you do have a unique relationship with it. You've had it your whole life. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. To date. Yeah, it's true. I, I end up, I end up subjugating it. I think most often as I think back to the example we just gave with the choice in, in the woman I was dating, I ended up just suppressing or pushing aside the fear. Oh, you know what? Maybe that's it. Do I suppress? I think I've had a practice of just turning my head away from not focusing on the thing I'm fearing mm. and instead focusing on uh, the thing that gives me great bliss and joy as I think about it. Mm. So I think, if there is a consistent practice, it's the turning away from the fear is to think, replace my, well, actually move my attention and energy mm-hmm. towards something mm-hmm. else. So here's the thing I'm fearful about over here on the left. And I, you know, if, if the experience of fear is somewhat determined by my facing it and looking at it. Right. The acknowledgement of it. Yeah. And giving my attention and energy to it. I think what, what I, as a practice, that isn't quite intentional just yet. It's something that I just do. Um, it's a habit I've developed over time. I think I move my attention and energy to the desired place and the fear ends up moving to the periphery and sometimes it's going away altogether as I focus as much as I can on the desired outcome, I think. I think that must be what I'm doing. It, it sounds like it. Yeah. Because ultimately, my belief is that fear is not real. there's it doesn't exist like we all make it up danger is 100 percent real right and the body for those that are listening i've studied biochemistry and what i know in the body the body produces hormones when there is present danger Mm. Those hormones serve a purpose for the body, kicks you in action, and, mm. and you're ready to go, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're toxic hormones, but when that danger is, is there, you don't have time to be fearful. You have to move and take action. Yeah. And when the body is in, in this movement, in this, in, this, in this in action mode, it's ridding itself of those toxins naturally. Oh, so the toxin gets you moving and the movement rids the toxin. Okay. The body is like squeezing or purging out the toxins because of this 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 danger that's in front of you. Okay. Now, 2019 and beyond what we tend to do, we we create in our minds 
this fear with no danger, mm. but we treat the fear as if it's dangerous. Mm. Yeah. Developing the same, the body has no sensor of what's really real and what's not. Mm. So we build up the same uh, fight or flight response internally. Toxins increase. But we're not moving. We don't do anything to use them up. We don't do up. anything. So the toxicity just lives there. It, it lives there. And then stress, which is yeah. why they say stress kills, is, yeah. well, actually, the toxins that your body creates from this so-called fear is yeah. what takes you out. Okay. I get that. So what you just said, to tie it in, when you turn your attention to your truth and when you honor that, the fear does dissipate because it never existed to begin with because you made it up. Mm. But if you focused on that fear, on that thing, and you gave that your attention and your time, you're continuing to make it and expand it, mm. which means you create the reality of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But it, it really never was a thing. Yeah. Kind of like how you said with the black people and the white, like that was their ideology yeah. and their concept. And then they placed it on us. We believed it. Yeah. And we still believe it. And so now it is a thing. Yeah. It's real. Right. We've made it real. It's real. Mm. But there was never a need for it. It never existed. It still yeah. doesn't exist. Only if we say so. Yeah. Yeah. It's an idea we gave energy to and it became life. Right. It became, it manifested because we gave it so much attention and energy. So I think what you're doing is phenomenal because this is so great. Throughout your life, you have been able to navigate yourself in a certain kind of way beyond just honoring yourself. But I think more importantly, you've learned how to address this fear issue. Mm. And it's that fear that has a, that, or the, the lack of, not lack, but the, the ability to turn from it is what has allowed you to grow and propel you into these different endeavors in life. Mm. Right. Yeah. You can, you can go from, um, being a virgin and and trying to fit in because you were fearful and a ridicule, but then you, you get an inspiration and you're like, you know what? No. You turned your attention. This is who I am. This is what it is. You talk about me, whatever. And then it no longer was an issue. People accepted it. From that to, yeah, this Christian thing is great. It's this and that until it wasn't. And yeah, y'all my parents and I love you. But if you don't like me because of this, that's cool, too. Because the greater good is me. That's it. You know, yeah, I'm working. I'm teaching these kids. I'm at this university. I'm making money, and it's all good, and I love it. At least I think I do in that moment. But now I got this impulse, and I'm going down a different direction I'm not familiar with. But let me see what this is about. Yeah. Even though... <laughs> the fear right. could have been there could yeah. have yeah but i don't even think it came up mm. turn my attention gave my energy towards the thing that's feeling right right 
excites me. Same with Sarah. Yeah. She was in front of you. In the moment, the fear was not present. Mm. The fear only came if it came at all. If, and correct me if I'm wrong, when you guys started rolling in it. Yeah. That's when it came up. That's right? when I when I looked at it. When I when it's, I decided to give it energy and attention, it it grew. But when you were building, yeah, it was it, it was it non existent. Yeah, it wasn't a part of it. So I think these are great examples just to show and illustrate that this fear thing is not a thing. It's not real until we make it. And then when we make it real, we end up killing ourselves a lot quicker mm. because our body cannot purge those toxins yeah. and those hormones. I think I think it's incredible when you say make it real. You know, we can make fear real or we can make the thing we love and are energized by real. We make it real. Right. What does that make us? We're creators. We make things real. Yeah. So if you can make anything real, make the desired thing real. Yes. Don't focus on the undesired because you make that real. Focus on the desired thing. Let's right. Make, let's make that real. Man, this is, this is powerful. Make it real. That sounds like a good podcast Podcast uh, title. Really? Make it real. You might have to do something. <laughs> <laughs> make it real. Yeah, I like that. Complete the sentence for me. I am most fulfilled when. I am most fulfilled when I am focused on love. Whether that be the love I have for Sarah and our partnership, the love I have for my friends, the love I have for my family, the love I have for my community, I'm most fulfilled when I am, when I when I am, when my attention is on the people and things I love. Mm. What leader do you look up to and admire? Esther Hicks. That comes to me so clearly right now. Mm-hmm. I, I, obviously, I, I, um, I love leaders in general. Yeah. And my doctorate degree is in organizational leadership. I am um, obsessed with them. Great leaders have always moved me. But when you asked me right now, what came to mind was Esther because of how she dedicated her life to helping people remember mm-hmm. truths that are evident that are universal i love that she chose to do that yeah someone asked me i think sarah might ask me you know if you could live anyone's life you were we were talking about ways to serve you know ways we want to be of service okay like whose life do you whose life would you want to live you know this question comes up in many different formats yeah i mean like if you if you could have dinner with anyone living or dead who would you right that kind of it's a it's a similar question to me whose energy when you look at anyone living or dead and you see the way their life has been crafted, their service has been crafted. That's really the way I took the question. Mm-hmm. Whose life of service would you want? And I, my mind, um, because we were talking about language, the conversation was around using my voice. Yeah. You know, I, most recently, I've been talking about building a podcast, or some of my friends were saying something about going. I should go back on the road as a speaker. I used to, I used to be a skills trainer as a professional speaker. Mm. We're talking about using the voice, and we're talking about service, and it hit me. Whose life of using their voice in service would I want? 
Wow. I was like, Esther <laughs> Hicks, man. <laughs> she travels around the world helping people remember yes. really universal information that benefits them dramatically. Mm-hmm. She is always a positive impact on everyone she meets as she goes around. Everyone's life is always improved mm-hmm. by her presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that even the majority of the information I've received from her wasn't even in the books I bought. Most mm. of it is on YouTube for yeah. free. Right. I thought, whoa, <laughs> right. whoa, this lady gives away more than she sells. Right. She could have hoarded that information. Like, no, 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 no. I'm going I'm to fight every time it comes up. I'm going to fight it and get it off of you. No. There is more information from her on YouTube, her and Abraham, on YouTube than anywhere else. And I've got lots of her books, you know, book, uh, audio, Kindle, physical, whatever. I've got a bunch of it. Yeah. But I like that I can just, ran- and I use that sometimes. Randomly, I'll just go to YouTube and say, put in Abraham Hicks, Esther Hicks. The first thing that comes up, let me just listen to it and see what that is. And mm-hmm. the next one that comes the automatic, go play all, just go everything. Right. And I end up hearing something I really needed to hear. And I just appreciate that about her. So your question was, you know, what leader? Esther. And I'm not talking Abraham right now. Abraham, right. I love y'all too. <laughs> but Esther, for having given herself in the way that she has. She made the choice. That's it. And I am blessed by that choice constantly. Mm-hmm. That's the person yeah. for me. Yeah. It's a good person to pick. I like her a lot. Great person. I love that lady. I hope I meet her one day. <laughs> you will. Yeah. I uh, Oh, because remember, you can make it real. That's right. I'm gonna make. I'm making that real right now. Anybody yeah. know Esther? Please contact me so we can. I can just say <laughs> thank you. I can leave her a voicemail and just say thank you. I love you, Esther, and I can't wait for us to meet. And I think I think sometimes I get the feeling, and I saw this on a on a. Um, I was in a psychedelic journey, and I kind of saw that uh, this thing came up to me and said it's always mutual. The feelings mutual. Mm. And I thought about the feelings mutual. The feelings mutual. What does that mean? And I was seeing someone in in my vision while I was. I was under on this particular psychedelic and um, I was saying to her in the, in while under on the psychedelic, I was saying to this person I was envisioning, I said, there's something about this. We're supposed to be interacting right now. Mm. She said, well, duh. Yeah, look, we are. So we're supposed to be. And she said something that made me think the feeling is mutual. You have this appreciation for me. I have it for you too. And I started thinking about that. You know, when I, when I came to see you at the barbershop the other day, yeah. I was thinking about, I'm about to just go see my boy. I haven't talked to him since the, uh, the, uh, roller skating. Yeah. Room, you know, right. I'm like, I'm about to just go over there and just say, what's up? See if he's there. And I thought I have a, I have an affinity for you. And over the years, I, I have always thought highly of you. I thought, man, this is a good Thank dude, you. man, a good brother, always positive, always trying to accomplish something that's, that's, that's positive and good for us. Good for everybody. And I thought, you know what? I bet the feelings mutual. Yes. I bet there's a mutual appreciation. Yes. There's something about that. I, I think it's resonation. I think that we are, I kind of mm-hmm. see life as, as music. We are notes. Mm-hmm. Maurice, you have a particular note or chord. I have a kind of a chord or mm-hmm. note. And when we play those, they are complimentary. That's why we're still cool. Ooh. You know, we grew up with all kinds of folks that got our same melanation, right. our same age, all kind of stuff. We're not really, we, we don't really, Yeah. we're not around them often, you know? Yeah. But when we come together, there's a, that note that is a harmony to it, and I think that I think that you yes. and I are complementary notes, and I think that this great gigantic appreciation I have for Esther must be that, that we are we are complementary notes. So if Esther knew me, she would feel about me the way I feel about her. She would hear that same harmony of mm. our notes when we hit that note but oh that sounds good oh yeah <laughs> that sounds good that's beautiful so i think wow. she would if we knew each other if she knew me she'd be feeling 
uh, for me, the way I feel for her, I think we are complimentary notes. So I love, I can't wait to meet her in person. Wow. I think we make great music. Can I take, together. I'm taking that. Take it. The notes. Take it. <laughs> that's, take it. That's vibratory. Yeah. That's, Cause you know, you know, yeah. when, you, when you see somebody and you, that note is wrong, it's like, Ooh, yeah, it's like, it. that's <laughs> not right. It's not playing well with my right, notes. Right. That's not good music. That's not good music. Wow. That's, something's wrong with that mm. right there. And that's, I think it's vibratory. Yeah. Music is just vibration. Correct. But it's that harmonious vibration that makes that good chord, that great song. Man, you better tell somebody something <laughs> right now. <laughs> yeah, man. Esther, man. Final question. Okay. Ask all guests this. It's called the Tabula Rosa, which is blank slate. Imagine you have a, a blank canvas in front of you, like an artist, and you have all the colors you possibly need to paint, create a picture. Um, and there's that's you have the opportunity to design and architect your life any way you see fit. Now, you've accomplished everything you wanted to do already. You have the farm. Business is great. It's you couldn't even imagine the magnitude. Like you're doing it at a high level. Um, the marriage is is flourishing. You've traveled the world. You have all of the money. And all of the experiences done. Coming back to this blank canvas. Create, design, architect your life with the colors in front of you. What do you paint? I paint a sphere. And that sphere is love. And what's coming off the sphere are little probes that are all the same length, same size, but it's coming off of that sphere in every direction. And those are all, they all have little words on them, like um, uh, appreciation, um, uh, joy, community, sacrifice. And all those words are just words for love. Mm-hmm. I think if I were to paint anything, I would want or live or paint any expression. I would want to be living an expression that is just completely filled with love, all types of love. You know, the love we have, the brotherly love. Yes. The sacrificial love, the, the, um, as I watch Braveheart, you know, yeah. like William Wallace love <laughs> for, you know, to, to liberate that's love. Um, the love I have with Sarah, the love I have with my guys, you know, my brothers. I I have a, a brothership, a brother brotherhood gathering I host here at my house every week, and a bunch of my brothers come over and we create space for us to uh, expand mm. and to be supported. I want that kind of love. I want little brother love. Mm. I want auntie love, grandpa love, you know, sister love. Mom and dad love other other surrogate father loves. I, w- I want I want to be swimming in a giant sphere of love that is being expressed in every possible way love can be expressed. That's what I want to do. That's what I would want to create. That's the life I want to live. You should draw that picture. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I like it. Good. I should do that. Yeah, and just infinite amount of ways love can be expressed. Right. But they're all there. That's yeah. what I want to live in the center of that. 
feeling and experiencing all the types of loves that, that can be experienced. I, I'm seeing this sphere like a globe in space as you're talking and the probes hanging off of it. But also in the backdrop, there's this universe that has all these other variations mm. of those probes. Mm. So you have other solar systems or um, other planets or other spheres that are extensions of the probes. Mm. Right, because it's oh, it just all, keeps going. It's, it's expansive. Like another, yeah, 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 yeah. I like that. Yeah, it's just I like that. Yeah, and love has that quality. It's expansive. E- exactly. It always grows. Everything comes from it. Yeah, yeah, I like that. That's dope. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> <laughs> I draw it up. I work on so, it. I want to take a moment to salute you for number one, just being you. Thank you. Just great, great human being, great brother. Great husband, I'm sure. Great businessman, forward-thinking, teacher. Fearless is really what I want to acknowledge you for today, is your level of commitment to yourself and honoring you without the fear. If we could all acknowledge that and embrace that and take from you, learn from you, how to use and apply that into our own lives. It's hard for me to even imagine what the world would be like Mm. because that's so huge. And so I just want to give you thanks and, and just thank you, man. Keep up the work and I love you and you are, and I love you too, man. Thank you. Thank you for coming here. And I I really do appreciate this. Thank you. Oh, you, my honor and pleasure. Um, So now I want to take a moment for you to, let people know because you you're working on the documentary yes um so you can let people know where to find that when it comes out you the uh, natural product line yep shoot out all that information okay all of that and and the the farm project i don't know if you're going to do a capital raise for it or not yeah if you're doing that put it out let's go okay so uh the natural products company is called sunny bird botanicals that's s-u-n-n-y B-Y-R-D, Sunny Bird. That is my wife's creation, and I'm helping to forward that into existence. Mm-hmm. So sunnybird.com, follow that. Actually, on Instagram, she's at Sunnybird Botanicals. So go ahead and follow that. You'll see everything we're doing on that side. Um, I am launching a podcast of my own. It's called Bird Brain, B-Y-R-D-B-R-A-I-N. And you can reach it at birdbrainshow.com or on any platform that has podcasts. And it'll it'll start to you'll start to see it populate. It's everywhere. Don't mm-hmm. worry. Spotify, Apple, Google, mm-hmm. everywhere. So those two will keep you abreast of what's happening with us at any given moment. And the farm project, uh, it will be it'll be evolving. And on the podcast, you'll hear some things about it. We'll be interviewing some people who are who are kind of central to what we're doing in Hawaii. And uh that you can actually find me on on Instagram as well, Wayne C Bird, W A Y N E C B Y R D. Or if you want to follow the adventures of my butchery, that one's at Butcher Maine, B U T C H E R M A N E, on Instagram. Okay, that's it. That's and it. y'all hit me, hit me. If you want to talk about something, if you think we have similar notes, you know, let's vibe. Let's have some harmony. I'm all about it. And so, real quick, before we got going in this, you had. 
a question that you want to ask me. Yes. Very curious. Because I, I have I have long, you know, the first episodes that I've put out for my podcast are just old conversations I recorded years ago, some 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I never was able to come up with a, a, a real reason to launch it. I thought, you know, it needs to be, the, all, the, the idea of the podcast needs to be coalesced into one particular thing. And this is what I'm, how I'm serving and people come to me for that. And I, and all my conversations were all over the place. As you know, you sat down, you had a, you had an objective and it just went wherever it went. Right. My conversations did that as well. And it wasn't until recently that I said, you know what, that's okay. I'm going to just put out conversations that, that give off the note that I give off and that's it. Right. Um, but I was curious about how you made that decision, how you got over the the hump from idea to full out execution um, to where you have 36 existing episodes, mm-hmm. which I applaud you for. It's amazing. How did you get from, oh, I have an idea I want to record some folks to, you know what? I'm setting up interviews every week and that's it. What was, what gave you the, what got you over that hump of, oh, I'm going to record some stuff too. I do this. Number one, I'm a, oh, at least I like to think of myself as an executor. Uh, once I lock in, to a thought or an idea or, or, or not even lock in when I make the choice or the decision that this is what I'm going to do. I'm all in. Mm. Uh, my personality type is I always say I'm, I'm kind of black or white. Mm. I'm either going to do it or I'm not. Yeah. And I'm working on that middle mm. ground right now because I see that it bleeds over into other aspects of my life. So as it relates to the podcast, I recently had an episode where my sister interviewed me and I explained how it kind of came to fruition. You know, I was, st- I, I always ask questions to people all day, every day, the way my brain works, just, I just get the random questions. And I don't know if you were if you were following me at the time on Instagram, I was doing a question of the day. Okay. So I would just ask people just random questions, whether they were stupid or not. It it just didn't matter. And it made for a great conversation. Mm. Got bored with it. And then I had an idea, well, maybe I can feature movers and shakers and I can do one minute clips and they can kind of talk about their life or their businesses and what they're doing in the world. And I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that. But at the same time, I was always listening to podcasts. I love podcasts. And as I was listening in the car one day, I said, you know what? I can do that. Instead of doing this one-minute segment every week or every day, however, whatever timeline I was going to do it at, let me just take time and sit down with with a person or people and have these real... Uh, intense conversation or not even intense, but just these real um, expansive conversations. And what one thing that I do know is we as people thrive off of stories um, similar to what you were teaching. And so I wanted to allow guests to tell their story, to speak their truth, because I believe, or I know that your story can impact someone else's life and your story can help improve or cultivate or um, move their life into the direction that it needs to go. And so I said, okay, I like that. 
that's that's what I'm going to do. And I already enjoy talking to people anyway. And I already have create all these questions anyway. So things were just it made sense. Um, and then as a barber, I honestly and it's going to sound whatever. I don't like cutting hair. What? Can't stand it. How I'm long, saying how I'm, long has that been your I, truth? I'm saying this publicly and it is the truth. Wow. I do not like it. I know how to do it. I'm good at it. It has supported me in my life and family. And, it, you know, it's gotten me to. Hot, like I started investment banking because of cutting hair, so I'm not knocking it at all. Like yeah. I've gained a lot from it. However, it's not something that I enjoy doing. Wow. But. I enjoy talking to people. Yeah. So my interaction with clients every day is what keeps me going. Yeah, I get it. It I, energizes me. I get it. Completely. So I show up and I, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired. I'm enthused. And so to someone on the outside looking in, it might seem like, oh, wow, he really likes doing that. They see the skill and they see the, the, the end result and they see how I am with clients. They're like, oh, like your response, like what? <laughs> But the truth is, internally, I wish I could just throw those clippers down and sit in the chair and do exactly what we're doing right now. Yeah, I completely get it. I get it. This platform, me doing this, gives me that. Yeah. I'm sitting down right now. We've been here an hour, almost hour, 30 minutes yeah. just talking. Yeah. We could easily go two, three hours. Easy. We should do a whole second episode. Just keep going. <laughs> right? Yeah. But because I like this and I'm not holding a pair of clippers, I'm not standing, I'm not putting the stress on my body. Yeah. My back is not hurting and so forth and so on. So at any rate, to get back to answering your question, it was all of those things that led me to, you know what, I'm going to try this. Yeah. And for a minute, a little bit of fear crept in because I didn't have the equipment. Um, I, I didn't have the knowledge of like the tech knowledge of equipment and audio and sound, but I am a tech guy. Mm -hmm. I love tech. Yeah. So I felt, well, I can learn that easy. Right. That's, that's not a problem, but I didn't have the capital to invest in right. all of this equipment. I said, but you know what? I have a cell phone mm -hmm. and it has a mic and I can figure it out from there. And so I started my first episode. I interviewed my sister and I used my cell phone, recorded it. I found a plat podcast platform because I'm a researcher. So I researched the best platform for me and what I needed. And I uploaded that episode and I put it out and I was like, wow, that was fun. Okay. I need to get somebody else. Let's do it again. And then I did it again. And then I just, and then it became a thing to where I got like, man, I gotta, I gotta keep doing this. And then as I started to get any of the responses from people saying, man, I listened to your podcast and it, so then it achieved my initial goal. I said, Oh, <laughs> this is all I need. Yeah. Let me start making the investment. Yeah. Let's boost up the quality. Right. And so I started, and I'm still not investing. At some point in the near future, I'm going to get a studio, mm. like a full out studio. Yeah, yeah. Where I have the podcast booth, where I have 
a video and have a crew that's shooting and where I can lease it out to other creatives to where they can come. Like I have this huge vision and it's going to get done. But to answer your question, that's how I was able to execute. Yeah. So I think for me, I kept getting caught up on the, um, what I would present as the purpose of a show. So for example, you got lead up. It's about leadership. It's about all the different ways these, your guests mm. uh, lead their own lives and lead the lives of others or are leaders, leaders for others and for themselves. I, every time I would thought about one of those arrangements, mm-hmm. I would think, well, I mean, all these things I want to talk about don't actually fit there. Mm-hmm. So I would get stuck and I just have conversations with folks and then record them and put them away because <laughs> they didn't fit any, any congealed. Any theme. Yeah. There was no one theme throughout it all. So I, and I, and it took me until very recently, actually until hearing I was listening to one of your episodes and I heard you do an ad for um, Anchor Anchor FM. I said, let me see what this is, what he's talking about, because you're saying it goes up on every, it, it automatically populates everything for you. I was listening to that, and I went and looked at it, and I thought, whoa, that's easy. When I first started this back in 2000, I mean, whatever that was, a long time ago, right? There was none of that. I mean, we had to do everything, every little piece of it had to be done, and I thought that is so easy. And somehow, after seeing that, I said, that's it. I'm just going to do a show that follows my curiosity. Yeah. doesn't have a theme. There's no theme to this show. You know, it, it goes against right. everything everyone says you had to do. And I didn't get started until I, until you, I heard in your voice, Wow, go check out Anchor FM. I thought, okay, I trust my guy. Let me listen. Let me see what that is. When I saw the ease of it, then that is what propelled me to go ahead. Let me just do it. Yeah. Not only yeah. do it, but go back to those old episodes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I just say to people, just do it. Mm-hmm. Like Nike. Just do it. Just do it. It's so easy. And quote you, turn your attention to your bigger purpose or your yeah, desire. That's right. And go with it. Give it some energy, y'all. A energy. This has been great. I, I thank you. Yet we definitely gonna have to do this again because there's so much to talk about. I'm always available to you, brother. I appreciate you. Till next time, we're out. I was totally motivated and inspired by Wayne's wisdom. My key takeaways are cataloging ideas is a must. Focused on where my energy is going. And lastly, the setup is the clue for expansion. We are all creatives with endowed gifts. Let's turn our energy from fear to love. Take the charge that's in you and lead up. Please share this episode with people you care about. Donations are welcome. And if interested, go to the bottom of the lead up podcast description and click the donate link. Thank you all for your continued support.